Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of the You Should Run podcast. I'm your host, Tony Heil, council member from Bridgeport, Pennsylvania, which is right near Philadelphia and is actually not too far from where my guest lives uh, for today. Uh, Today, I am culminating kind of a project of the podcast. A few weeks, a few months ago, I realized that I was on pace to get a guest from every state, and it was my goal to do so. So I thought, why not end in the first state, the first state of Delaware? And I was looking at people to talk to, and there's so many cool people in Delaware, many of whom I know personally one way or another. Um... But my first guest on the podcast was Kyle Shank, president of Bridgeport Borough Council, who I'm sure is world famous now. Um, And today I'm going to be talking with Kyle Evans Gay. She is running in Delaware, the first state. And so I'm going to bookmark the the states from Pennsylvania to Delaware, every state and D.C. in between. And I'm bookmarking it from Kyle to Kyle. But I'm sure it's going to be very different stories because it's a very different time. Um, If you can, please listen to past episodes, share, and I think you're going to want to learn a lot about this Kyle, and hopefully you'll end up uh, reaching out to learn more about her campaign. That's what we're going to talk about today. So, Kyle, thank you for talking with me today. Oh, thanks for having me. This is going to be real fun. I think so. I like having fun. (laughs) So, um, I know a little bit about Delaware. I live, like I said, in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. You're not really that far from me, right? Not at all. In Delaware, we like to say that we are close to everything. So we're just about, you know, a little over two hours from D.C., same for New York. And then, of course, Philadelphia is right up the road. So mm-hmm. we are close to everything here in the first state. And by everything, you mean like after you get to King of Prussia, where I am, you just got to the world kind of ends. I, I guess so. Or I have that I-95 bias that everyone likes to talk about. But uh, no, we, we, we are we are essentially located here in it's wonderful because we get to enjoy so many of the great aspects of our state that people love, like community and outdoor space. Um, we are just under a million people, hopefully after this census, just over a million people. But um, it's really a great close-knit community, a place that um, if you do want to make change, if you want to have an impact, it's accessible to you. And I think that's why we see so many young people in particular running um, because they know that in Delaware there is that opportunity to jump in and make change right away. Um, and it's been a really exciting time. And Delaware is a far more interesting state politically than people know, right? Like people yeah. look at the fact that Joe Biden was um, a senator there forever, that it's had Democratic senators forever and think that it's some people think, well, it must be like Massachusetts. But it's not. It's a pretty moderate state politically, at least in terms of, you know, who has risen to prominence, I guess. No, that's absolutely true. And, and although we do um, right now, currently in Delaware, the statewide offices are held by Democrats. When Joe Biden ran for the first time for the Senate, he was a huge underdog um, against a well-known Republican senator and Um, against really a Republican institution here in the first state. And so, you know, I think what's really interesting is today we think about Republicans and Democrats as such polarizing um, uh, places to be or or ideologies. And I think in Delaware, in our past, we've had um, a really great opportunity to represent what makes bipartisanship work and why it's important to come to the table with different perspectives, but then 
that that the the steps after that, which is working together to find the best solution for your state and for your constituents, um, there's real value there. And and we've had, I think, a long history of bipartisanship here in the first state. Um, folks in the past have been really, I think, rightfully proud that they were um, able to split their ticket because they were voting for people and mm-hmm. not for parties. Um, but, you know, of course, as things have changed nationally, they've changed here in Delaware, too. And, you know, as, as Democrats, we've really seen that, um, you know, we, we really want to make sure that we are representing the values that are going to be best for the people of Delaware. And, um, you know, un- unfortunately, that bipartisanship um, has lessened. Um, and we find that, you know, we really need to make sure the right people um, are in there. We know that things are changing in Delaware, and you're right, Like um, the Republican congressman from Delaware was Mike Castle for many years, and to a lot of people, if they looked at Mike Castle's tone and issues, he would seem like a Democrat today. He wouldn't fit in with the kind of the trends of the Republican Party. It, it, that's absolutely true, and we have, um, you know, a long history of folks in Delaware being supportive of um socially liberal values and, and um, equ- equity and equal rights. And we continue to see um, the Democrats, I think, making sure that those agendas become priorities here at the state level where I'm running um, and then also at the national level. Our delegation, somewhat small delegation of, um, of three legislators to, um, to D.C., um, keep, has been on the forefront of a lot of these really important issues. And because Joe Biden... Um, Delaware's favorite son, as, as we say, is on the ticket. We've also seen um, uh, our elected, like Lisa Blunt Rochester and Chris Coons and Tom Carper, have a really impactful role in shaping that campaign and shaping uh, the vice presidential pick and really um, demonstrating kind of the, the value, I think, that, um, that the Delaware way can bring to the national level, um, which is open-minded, forward-thinking, progressive, um, and collaborative. Yeah, I have, um, I have met with Senator Coons for a nonprofit-related issue, and in, in the room he said, don't tell me to support this, I'm already on board, who do I need to talk to? Who's the person, who's the Republican I need to, to corner and ask them for support? And that's not what you get from a lot of other people in office. He wasn't asking about, should I sign my name to a letter? It, he was asking, how do I accomplish this for you? And I think at the at the end of the day, anyone who is voting, whether it's the federal level, the state level, the county level, you know, our, our municipalities here, they just want people who they can work with and who are going to go to bat for them. And I think, again, because we have such a small, uh, we're such a small state, we get the opportunity to meet those elected officials and really vet them as people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's incredibly valuable and really a luxury that not every voter in America has. And one thing that is interesting about the Joe Biden campaign um, is that it is putting a um, spotlight on Delaware. So a lot of people have this bias of what Delaware is. Um, and some people were even kind of laughing at when Joe Biden said that, um, African-Americans, black people got him into power, that they were, um, that it was such a large percentage of the, the vote in Delaware because people thought Delaware was, I don't know what they thought it was, but 
Delaware actually is a very diverse state and people don't realize it from outside, right? Oh, absolutely. And and let's be let's be honest, most people know Delaware from Wayne's World, right? So, um, you know, we're in Delaware. So, <laughs> you know, I think what, what what I love about the the campaign in addition to, you know, everything it stands for and in addition to our awesome VP candidate that I'm so excited to support is that it is giving us a chance to showcase um, what makes us great here in Delaware. And I do have a lot of Delaware pride. Um, do you think the diversity is here? Absolutely. It's not just diversity, you know, black, white, brown. It is diversity when you talk about economies. You know, we have very rural areas with farmland. We have very urban areas. We have industrial areas. Um, we have coastal communities on the beach and we have inland communities. Um, we have um, an immigrant population. You know, we have, um, there are, are food processing plants here in Delaware that attract a lot of immigrants um, to the area. We also have the same unfortunate disparities in mm -hmm. our state that we see, you know, um, across the country. And so there is a lot about Delaware that represents really the types of communities, the types of ideologies, the types of perspectives and backgrounds that we see across the U.S. And so in that way, it really is, I think, a great opportunity for us and why I'm so interested in running at the state level to understand what we can do with new, innovative, creative policies to help um, folks, even though they do come from a bunch of different backgrounds and have different, um, you know, economic opportunity or different they work in different industries um and so we want to make sure that we are doing what we can to lift up all delawareans mm. and i think we have a great opportunity here to kind of stress test some of those policies and see what works and see what we can apply at the national level you know i'm gonna ask you about your motivations um in a minute but that's one thing i've learned from talking to people running for our in-state government is you your policies might end in action at the state border, but other states can take what you've done in Delaware and implement them in Utah or Texas even in their own way, or you can look and say what happened in Pennsylvania, Oregon. Um, the, the world is full of ideas that you can learn from if you're that kind of person. Absolutely. And with the exchange of information that we have, even you know before the pandemic, but especially now, where it's just the status quo to be able to have someone from from you know 10 states in the same zoom room we should be interested in sharing those ideas and we should get we should get good at it right like we should make that a priority especially here in delaware where we have new jersey pennsylvania and maryland you know right next door uh, i know our folks our friends out west probably will drive sometimes you know multiple hours before they reach a state border but you know not true here mm -hmm. um we can also work in coalitions regionally and make sure that if we do um, want to enact some common sense legislation, like gun control, for example, that we're doing our best to, in, to make sure that regulation works so that people, um, law enforcement officers and, and legislators and, and um, you know, our, our, our AGs can work across state lines to make sure that we can do our best um, to, to bring you know, something, in that case, safety um, to our region. So all that in mind, when and why did you decide that you were going to run for office? Was there just, there wasn't just a dearth of Kyles. Um, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so I had to throw the Kyle in there again. But like, so what, 
what was the motivation that made you decide, all right, I got to get involved and do this? Absolutely. Well, I, um, my husband likes to joke that I have three or four jobs, which, um, you know, by, by trade, I'm an attorney and I do love being an attorney, but I spent a lot of my time, um, as I was working during the day, I would go at night, I would go to board meetings, I would go to community meetings, um, I would go to volunteer events and meet people in the community and be working on any number of issues. And, um, that, as he so, um, rightfully pointed out, sometimes we need the people around us to, to kind of pull back, uh, pull back, uh, the, the wool and, and let, and show us, you know, help us see. Um, but he pointed out to me that that was what drove me. Um, that's what made me happy. And that's where I felt, uh, most motivated. And, um, so I had, I had talked, we had talked about perhaps that I could do something more community-facing and work with an organization, a nonprofit, maybe do some nonprofit law and apply my skills in the community where I felt that they were most valuable. Um, but I really then shifted to thinking about running for office um, as I was down in Dover, Dover being our state capital, advocating for a state equal rights amendment. This was really a landmark uh, legislation in this state where we were able to amend our state constitution to add an amendment that prohibits discrimination on the basis of sex. Mm-hmm. And it was an initiative that failed in its first attempt, but then subsequently succeeded. And I was down in Dover making the case to certain folks that this was not only a value statement that was important for our state, but something that would be life-changing for women and girls um, going forward. And I can remember one meeting in particular where I was talking to a older senator, and I can remember very distinctly feeling that he was just looking past me. And I don't know if it was the clock behind me or if he was just thinking about his next meeting, but I didn't feel that he appreciated what we were trying to bring to the table. And I felt that he wasn't even trying to understand And I realized at that point, if he couldn't grasp something as fundamental as equal rights for 50% of the population, what other important legislation was he not bringing the right perspective to? And what, what, what conversations weren't happening because someone from our generation, you know, me, I'm an old millennial or a woman or a young mother wasn't being represented and i really i honestly walked out of that meeting thinking well if that's the job then i can do it because we need to have a diversity of thought and a diversity of opinions and we need to have folks who are willing to engage down there Mm -hmm. and i'm glad we got the equal rights amendment passed um but from that day on i thought to myself if there's a way that we can make this happen i should at least try because i care deeply about it and because I think that I could bring value, and because at the end of the day, I think it would be in a really amazing job and a privilege to serve. It's inspiring and also disappointing to me as a man to have heard so many women with a similar story where they've been in the halls of office of Congress or um, their state legislature or other kind of building and felt like they were not being heard 
that's a failure both of men generally and obviously not all men whatever um right and also just a failure of how politics is supposed to be and and i agree and i don't and you know i don't put this onus on all men that to necessarily accommodate me it's up to me as well to be make sure that i am making myself heard but what i do expect always is to be acknowledged mm-hmm. and to be treated as someone who brings an equally valid idea to the table and we can argue about that idea and that's what i love about being an attorney i love advocacy but i want someone to engage with me as a peer and not discount me because of my gender or the fact that i'm five two and have been mistaken for the intern some days right, right. so and, and that's and that's all it is. And, and, you know, I always mention this, but in my legal career, you know, in, in law, we see similar disparities where we see a lot of women entering the field. But as people go up through the ranks, we see a, 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 a people fall, women fall off at those ranks. And, it's, and there's many different things that go into that. But I have to say that as a young female attorney, it was, um, there were men and women who helped me get where I needed to go. And some of my most ardent supporters and advocates are men who have taken the steps to mentor both young men and both and young women and making sure that they are bringing up the next generation of attorneys mm-hmm. and not just the next generation of male attorneys. And I think we are really turning a corner, but we know it's going to take time and it's going to take time in politics, too. Um, the only other thing I'll say is, is, is with politics, there are barriers to entering. And you know this as well as I do. Mm-hmm. You have There are filing fees. You have to raise money. I actually am taking a leave from my employer right now. And so I need to be able to you know, provide for my family while I seek office, which is a challenge for me. But one I can, I can handle, it's, it may be impossible for someone else, depending right. on their profession or how their employer is able to accommodate them. And so what I think that we need to do and what I'd like to do if elected is make sure that we are thinking about opening up the process to run for office as much as we're thinking about opening up elections. Because I want people from all backgrounds to feel that it's possible for them to run for office. And I think that is going to be a key point in making sure we have diversity in our halls of government. I think it's all very important. And, you know, Delaware is known as a pro-business state for various reasons and in 2020 i don't think you could be successfully pro-business and anti-equality business people don't you know if businesses are seen as being on the wrong side of that they lose out on business and a lot of older and i don't just mean in age i just mean in thought a lot of older lawmakers may not be grasping that reality right now yeah and there's not as there there aren't um the same market um or market uh i'm sorry there aren't the same uh, market forces that often cause our legislators to move with the same speed or alacrity that we expect our businesses to move right so you know businesses are always going to be getting feedback from their customers or from those they serve sometimes you have to wait two years four years till next election to really vet a legislator so we need to make sure that we have folks in there who are willing to work with the electorate as we move and, and identify those issues in this case in 2020 healthcare safety and equity right that that matter so that 
no matter if you're up for election in, in November or not, that when you go back to Dover in 2021, you know that you're fighting for the priorities of, of uh, the voters. So one of the other reasons I was excited to talk with you, besides your name and the gimmick behind that, is, um, pe- again, people don't realize the politics in Delaware um, that it was almost a Republican state Senate. I know there's a special election. Stephanie Hansen, who I've met, um, won a special election to make sure that it was still in Democratic control. Um, but without people like you running, the balance of power and balance of ideas could be very different, right? Absolutely. And this is where I get the chance, which I love to do, to talk about my district, which yes, is a, um, which is a, a wonderful section of North Wilmington. We actually border um, Pennsylvania at the, at the northern end of my district. Uh, and yes, it, we have a two-seat majority in a 21-person Senate. And so when you get down to numbers like 21, majorities can be fragile. And what is really important right now is, I think, for our state, is that we come back in 2021, like I said, we do relief and recovery, we put a focus on equity issues, and we start to really think about what we can do to fundamentally support our citizens as we recover through from this pandemic. Mm-hmm. And we are going to be able to do that if we have unity and clear a clear vision. And so in, in our Senate right now, um, that two-seat majority, um, depending on the elections this season, could be weakened. And where I'm sitting in North Wilmington, my senator is a Republican senator who has held the seat for 20 years. And in that time, it has my district, and keep in mind, 20 years is a long time, my district has changed from a very strongly Republican district to a district that has a Democratic registration advantage of 4,000 voters. And that might not sound like a lot to some of the folks who run in large districts, but uh, for perspective, we have about between 30 and 40,000 voters in the district at any one time. And so this is a district where there hasn't been a real challenge to the incumbent in about eight years. And this is an incumbent who has gone down to Dover and has taken the votes, sometimes on the good side, sometimes on what I would say, not the best decision. But this isn't a senator who is out there working for all of these issues that working families like mine and seniors in the area really need focus on. There hasn't been, uh, there haven't been initiatives, there hasn't been feedback from the community. And what we need more than ever are people, like I said earlier, who just want to do the job. Mm-hmm. And so I am running not only to represent the democratic values of this district, to make sure that we have a strong voice in Dover that's going to support the work of the party, but also so that we have a strong worker, an independent voice, someone who's willing to take a look at both sides or all sides in many cases and really work with this community to find the right way forward. So um, you ran, you decided to run in 2019. Um, yes. But things are a little bit different now. You, you, just a little. Just a little. Um, <laughs> but you have talked about, um, you know, your goals with the COVID pandemic. Have your goals, have, has your, um, your policies, have they changed? Or has the pandemic really, instead of changing your focus, kind of enhanced those issues and and provided a different perspective on them? Yeah, I think the latter, because we have, 
the pandemic has affected every aspect of our lives. And so when you look about, when you look to issues that I, that I stood up on day one and, and I was really running on issues that matter, that, I, that matter to me so much that I was willing to jump into this race, things like universal pre-K, where now the pandemic has changed education in ways we could have never imagined and making sure that we have children who have access to afford, to affordable and equitable education is so much more important now that we realize the inequities that exist that we can't bring children into the classroom. And so as we continue to fight for ways that we can ensure that we are reaching all students with our education system despite the pandemic, it's a natural next step to think about what we can do to expand the number of students who we're able to reach and reach early. Um, one of, as a former prosecutor, you know, we haven't talked a little bit about this. I, I'm, I'm no longer a prosecutor, but that's how I started out my career. Criminal justice was very important to me in running this race, making sure that we, again, have equity in our justice system, that our justice system is treating everyone with this, this applying the same rules. You know, we now see with our jail population and our imprisoned population, the risk, the scary, scary, um, fact that how COVID can spread in those populations and that we have folks um, who are in there for low-level offenses um, that are a great danger. And so we want to think about not only how can we make our system more equitable, how can we work on fines and fees, how can we reform bail, um, and how can we, um, you know, and how can we reform bail, but then what does it mean to keep those folks safe? And what does health care mean in our state? if we're not making sure that everyone has um, access to not only testing, but preventative health care and controlling costs on prescriptions. And so that's a long way, I think, of saying, yes, this pandemic has just made everything that I wanted to fight for that much more urgent. And I really do hope that after we take care of the basics and we know that relief and recovery is set and that we are supporting our small businesses and supporting our workers and helping people get through this time that we really start to think what can we do long term so that we are not stuck in situations like we find ourselves in again yeah you know it ties back i think your message to what joe biden has said with the build back better campaign and there's a, a, I saw someone saying it's a lame slogan. I was like, nope, I get it. Totally get it. Um, it. It's exactly what we need to do. And I guess if you're someone like yourself, which you are like yourself, um, <laughs> and you're running on concrete values to start with, then when the life throws a curveball like this pandemic, it doesn't really change your campaign aside from tactically how you run your campaign. That's absolutely true. Tactically, just about everything has changed. Right. But the soul of this campaign, I know Joe likes to talk about the soul of America. And I don't think, like you said, I don't think that it is hyperbole. I don't think it's fluff. I think it is just exactly what we need at this point in time. Um, and yeah, everything that I'm talking to voters about is is the same. And, and, and voters are dealing with this crisis, just like we all are dealing with this crisis in whatever way they can, and folks are coping however they can. But when they are talking to someone who they are gonna send down to Dover, they are 
not just thinking about the pandemic because they believe we can get through this if we work together. They're thinking about their kids in school. They're thinking about their retirement benefits. They're thinking about the opportunities for jobs here in Delaware. And I love that because I think people don't give voters enough credit. I think people will often say, oh, just talk to voters about COVID. Make sure that they know that you're on the right side and that you're going to follow the science and and you're going to work with them to recover. Yes, absolutely. I want to talk to voters about what we're dealing with. But I will tell you that the voters are smart and they know what we have to do. I just got an email this morning from a voter who said, I just looked up your policies. I hadn't before. I'm glad I took the time. I'm glad someone is running who wants to fight for the same things that I care about. I had been complacent, but this past year has taught me that I can't be anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is the sentiment here. I think we're going to see a lot of voters. I think people are going to come out because they're starting to remember why this matters so much. Yeah, you know, I have uh, noticed, and I'm sure you've noticed more than me from your, um, you know, more, I want to say aggressive, your more frequent campaigning than me, uh, but I've noticed a lot of people who are kind of, yes, they vote, being so much more vocal this year. People who I was like, oh, I never really knew you cared, and not that they were totally complacent, but they never really cared about politics, and now people are selling items to raise money for things they're talking about donating to causes they're talking about i have noticed so much in a positive way people being so much more engaged um online for this election than i have even when obama was running and that seemed to be about obama this time it's about really about these issues that i think are resonating in ways that i was i'm very surprised by i agree and i think that there has been a little bit of a lack of issue advocacy on our greater stage. I think you have always the local um, fighters, I'll say, those local advocates who are going after really important issues and really having those conversations at the state level. Um, And now I feel that we are, I think we all feel that our voices can be heard uh, on issues like immigration or issues like healthcare. I think that the Medicare for all conversation, no matter which side you fall on it, was really healthy for our country during the democratic um, during the democratic primaries, because we realize that we can have these larger conversations about not only who we want leading, but what type of country we want them to be the leader of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even in the Medicare for All debate, the debate was really about the details of the policy, the goals from Joe Biden to Bernie Sanders and those in between was still about universal coverage and care. Right. It was how do we how do we ensure more people to keep more people safe and make sure that we have preventative medicine and that we control costs and and so you're right that the fact that we got to the how uh, means that we came together on the what and I I'm and I'm excited about that. And, you know, I have a lot of conversations here at the local level Um, especially with younger voters who really want to have this conversation about how we can increase access to health care in our state. And I tell them, I am on board. We need to find ways to do that here. And again, if we can find out ways to do that here, what can we apply in other states? What can we learn from other Mm -hmm. states? And what can we apply at the national level to get it done? Yeah. And Delaware is a great place to get things done, to be a template for others. Um, So finally, 
you are um, endorsed by Run for Something, and that's kind of how I got in touch with you beyond your name. And the podcast is called You Should Run, despite the challenges of this year, or maybe even because of them. Why would you encourage other people to run for office in 2021, 2022, and beyond? What would be your words of encouragement? What I've learned um, over the past year, because I've been doing this a year now of campaign, is that there are so many amazing people in this community who would be great at this job, and they would be great as legislators, and we would want them as leaders. And for any number of reasons, it doesn't, it, they're not able. So when I talk to them and we talk together about what we want to see, I realize that my role in this you know, great adventure that we call life is to run if I can. And because I can, I feel it's my responsibility because I feel that I need to then speak for all those folks and to be their voice and make sure that their amazing ideas and their smart policies are heard in our government. Um, If you have a passion for policy or a passion for people, then you need to be in a place where you can help those folks as much as you can. And if you can do that through politics, if you can do that through running a campaign, if you can do that by being an aide, if you can do that by working in your city government, whatever it is, you need to do it because we as a country need to prioritize our policies. We need to prioritize the efficient administration of our government. We need to make sure that our government is always working for the people. And so I would say that, um, like I said, it's a responsibility. It's a privilege and an opportunity to do good. And Um, For my money, uh, there's no better way to spend your time than working on behalf of your neighbors. Yeah, I really appreciate that answer. You are working on behalf of your neighbors who become your bosses in a good way. Um, So for anyone who's listening, I hope you're inspired to think about running for office as well. We need more good people uh, getting involved. There are over 500,000 elected offices in this country. Um, Kyle, before we go... Where can people learn more about you? Where where can they follow you on social media? I appreciate that. Um, I just want to say, first of all, thank you for having me. I know I'm a poor substitute for Joe Biden, um, I, but maybe you'll get him uh, next time when you do a Delaware-based podcast. Well, maybe you'll um, be the next Joe Biden. He started in local yeah. Delaware government. Why can't you? That's right. That's right. Let's all dream big. Um, and I and for the first the first thing that I'm work, working on right now is. We have a September 15th primary. Delaware being the first state also has the last primary in the country. So September 15th, I am working um, to win the Democratic primary. And you can find out more about that at KyleForDelaware.com. Or you can follow me, Kyle Evans Gay, all one word, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I would love to connect with folks who are here in Delaware about what we can do. And I'd love to connect with anyone who's interested in running for office or wants to know more about what this is like, because I benefited so much from people encouraging me and providing me advice. And I would love to do the same for anyone else. Great. That's what we need to do um, as people in politics is lift others up. No one can do this by themselves. Um, Thank you from my first Kyle to my most recent Kyle. Um, I, I appreciate what you're doing and I wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much, Tony. Have a good one.